0: Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Welcome to the show, beautiful one. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: Me too. I would love for you to introduce yourself in your own words for our listeners.
1: Yeah, I am Bella, Bella Divine, and I am a spiritual empowerment mentor, primarily for women. I really just love working with visionaries and um, creatives and spiritual beings to empower themselves.
0: Amazing. And you look radiant today as always. I feel like you just have such a magnetic energy uh, Mm -hmm. about you, especially online. And you speak to so many amazing things that I'm so into. And so I'm really excited to have you here and to just dive into all the witchy, trauma-based healing, spirituality things. And just before we hit record, you mentioned that you are a family constellationist. And so I feel like that's a really interesting thing that we could dive into. So for anyone who has no idea what that is, uh, could you give a bit of a summary of what this work is and how it's useful?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So family constellations are a form of psychotherapy that were created by a man named Bert Hellinger, and essentially they they work with a lot of theories that had been around for a long time, um, like Virginia Satir and um, family systems and things like that. But they're the at least the way that I was taught them. They're a combination of what I would call shamanism and um, and psychotherapy. And so the way that they work is we we tap into a field called the knowing field where all energetic information of one's family lineage exists. Um, This information transcends space and time and even like the living and the dead. And so we can really access it when we tap in and when you have a practitioner who knows what they're doing. And um, it's it's powerful because most of the time constellations are done in physical space. So you can do them with other representatives, or you can do them um, with objects as representations, or even pieces of paper with your family's and, uh, members' names on them. But the purpose of family constellations is really to um, allow you to get. Closure in ways that you might not ever have the chance to in real life, getting to set boundaries energetically with people. And uh, the purpose is really so that you can break karmas that you no longer want to carry forward into the future.
0: Yeah. Amazing. What I love about you is how you're so spiritual and witchy and kind of like that coach vibe, but you have all of these incredible Uh, training certifications you kind of to me seem to be this like enigma where you're really uh, reconciling these two often very separate worlds of like therapy and therapeutic interventions and then this sort of more like flowy spiritual kind of realm Um, and I know you work a lot with trauma and so what I'm curious to know, um, let's speak to the inner child. Like what, what is it that drew you to working with people in this way and healing that inner child? Like, is it inspired by your own journey or was it just something that you were always inspired to do?
1: So I love, I love that you noticed that. Um, but yeah, I, I feel that it's always been a part of me. I've always felt kind of like split in two in a way. Um, I'm half, Mexican, half indigenous, Mexican, half uh, Jewish American. And my dad is like three Ivy League schools, Harvard. My mom is like medicine woman from Mexico. They're complete opposites. And I've always just kind of like really loved being able to explain things and the logic and that from my dad and then the, the witchiness. And so my motto has always been trying to be a bridge wherever there are walls. And so the spiritual part was something that I grew up with. It was just like, who I was. It was just how I was raised. My intuition and my imagination was never invalidated as a child. So I was like, I see angels. And my grandma and my mom were like, oh, she sees angels. They weren't like, oh, you know, she's a so little <laughs> And then, um, the the more like scientific psychotherapeutic side of things found me actually Um, my mom and my mom's side of the family have a friend who runs one of the top psychotherapy schools in mexico and i don't have traditional uh, schooling like i did you know a minor in psych but like i'm not a, a therapist and she kind of took me under her wing and was just like She did a constellation for me, actually. That was really where the journey began. And then after that, I was like, how can I learn from you? Like, I'm obsessed with everything you do. You changed my life. And she just started inviting me to participate in these trainings. Um, And then when it came to trauma, she got me into a very, like, elite... Training with Dr. Bezel Vanderkolk, who and everyone else was like a psychiatrist or a psychologist in it, and I was just there like I don't know. I think I was like 22 at the time. Wow! <laughs> like this is, the, I was just following life. Like I felt like life just showed me, and um, and I was really passionate about it as well. I think you know, I'm sure like you and like many light workers and and people in our field, we've been through a lot. And I think that often like kind of leads you to that journey. Like I am such an emotional person and I did not know how to process or handle my emotions, but I like really wanted to learn and therapy just wasn't really it for me. So as soon as I started finding out about these like other more innovative techniques, I was like, so curious.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Something uh, for me personally that I've experienced on my journey Uh, is with intuition and being able to access that again and to really hear that and feel that and know that and uh, my background just so you know I don't know if you know Bella was like I had PTSD when I was 23 complex PTSD and I had been taking drugs for a long time in all sorts of addictive spirals basically self-medicating without having that diagnosis and um As I started healing and diving more into somatic modalities and recreating that spiritual connection, I could really start to hear my intuition literally as a voice in my head, like a download um, and sensations in my face, but I would love to riff a bit on intuition because I reckon one of the most common questions I get asked about and people want to hear on the show is how do you discern between fear and intuition? And I feel like everyone has a different answer. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I love this question. I often get it asked it in the phrasing of like, between fear and anxiety, um, or sorry, anxiety and intuition. That's often people are like, what's the difference between anxiety and intuition? And for a long time, I personally thought these things were separate. But then um, in like my small mentorship group with Dr. Bezel van der Koch, I asked him, I was like, what do you think? Because his work is all body based, all the trauma work that we do is somatic. And he was like, well, actually, anxiety and fear are a form of intuition um, and it's either like fear or anxiety about something in the present or the immediate future, or it's like an old warning bell, an old alarm that is broken um, metaphorically, that once was actually there to warn you about some real danger or something that you should be afraid of or should feel anxious about, um, but because you never did the work to heal, that wound it keeps ringing every time that you're triggered and reminded of it right um so that i think really changed the game for me and kind of like validating like hey your fear and your anxiety is valid it just might not actually um be telling you something like useful about the future or the present right so um so yeah that's that's kind of how i would distinguish the two intuition tends to be more body based, as you mentioned, and it tends to come through a little bit more when we're in states of neutrality. Like very rarely are we triggered, and when we start to feel anxiety and fear from like a trigger, is that our intuition? Usually, we like, you know, if we can get ourselves back to like a regulated nervous system and feel more neutral, then we can hear um, our intuition more clearly. That's that's my my perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So cool because yeah, I think anyone who's on a spir- spiritual journey, are they looking? to expand or, you know, make a big step, there's always gonna be fear there. And so sometimes it's like a bit of an untangling job of like, what's the message here, you know? (laughs) Am I afraid because it's not the move or am I just afraid because it's scary and it reminds me of something from the past? So what, what would you advise someone who's in that untangling process? Like, what are the modalities or the steps that are the first steps?
1: Yeah, so um, actually, well, so the first thing that I always recommend when I want people to tune into their intuition is first recognize if like, there is emotional stagnancy in the body because if you're feeling things in the body you need to move that out first and so like if possible like go for a quick run do some yoga breathe breath work like whatever whatever movement feels good for you tantra um you know at this point i just love to move intuitively after studying all the modalities i'm sure like you you just kind of start to find your own unique flow and understanding of your body and then once you do that connecting to the breath I mean, our breath is our life force. It's literally with us from the minute we're brought into this world to the minute we leave. And our breath helps to, like, really connect us and neutralize us and get us to that state of neutrality that we need to hear our intuition. And obviously, this is, like, a process that I would give someone who's, like, not in tune with their intuition. I think once you're in tune, it's, it's a little bit quicker and and more intuitive, right, to to tap in. But um, once you arrive at a state of neutrality, I would say asking a clear question. Like, you know, um, for me, my favorite question to ask when I'm really like in between decisions, particularly around mentorship and like investing in the online space, I think there's so many feelings that can come up. I'll really like to ask myself, is this gonna make my heart feel more full or more empty? And I just feel like the heart and into like the intuition heart connection is so deep. And in my lineage in Toltec Wisdom, everything is about the heart. Like everything in Toltec Wisdom is the heart. And so every time you're trying to figure out what your path is, uh, my ancestors would say like choose a path with the heart. And so I always like that is my go-to question to kind of get clear on where my intuition is actually trying to lead me.
0: I love that. I'm a Leo, so it's like heart it's vibes
1: all the way. What I'm,
0: are you?
1: I'm a Pisces, but I have oh, like so I could many. have guessed that. <laughs> I know right? I'm literally the most typical Pisces, but I have so many Leo Leo friends as well. That's like the fire sign that I really vibe with the most.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the the Pisces cools us Leos down, right? Cools us down a little bit from our spiciness. You um, bring it out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, So I love that. And I think that's a great point to make as well, because right now, what I've been personally observing is like things changing in the coaching industry and the spiritual industry and uh, certain things getting dismantled and people starting to make different choices and I guess like create their legacies guided by their true values rather than what's been popular or what's been great in the past and it is a big decision when you invest in a mentor and I think it's important that it does come from your heart whereas I think a lot of people probably make those decisions from their mind or from their insecurities or their scarcity
1: yeah absolutely it's been really interesting watching the coaching world uh, shift I how long have you been in the coaching world actually I'm curious
0: uh I started my business in 2017. So, yeah, what's that? Five and a half years. Yeah, yeah. yeah five
1: and a half years. How about yeah. you? So, I started my like trainings journey. Uh, I think also in 2017. That's when I started really like getting certified and all that stuff. And then it wasn't until what, like three years ago, that I actually started my business. Yeah.
0: Wow! Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I found you on uh, reels, actually, like your reels kept coming off in my explore thing. I don't know what it is. And um, I just kept being like, who's this girl? And then I was like, oh, yeah, she's amazing, you know, and um, it's really amazing, I guess, what you've created, but through the work that you're sharing, because it's not necessarily like, you know, what people always want to hear, you know? it's not uh, necessarily like the thing that's going to like give people that instant validation. It's deep healing work, which is really hard, you know, and it's really a journey for people to embrace the depth of that.
1: Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And I think when it comes to sharing, sharing online, I think social media is such a mirror of like everything that's going on within us personally. And I'll have days where I'm like, I'm like repelled by the online space yeah especially with the, the rapidness of changing like i started doing reels everyone's like you're so good at reels you must love reels and i'm like i do it to share my message but i have i have like an energetic process where i'm like i'm sending this out let it ripple across you know humanity and find the people <laughs> and i like lock the vault on my energy because i mean i'm sure you felt this as well but you'll put content out and you can like feel everyone's reactions coming back at you yeah. um Yeah so I definitely when I when I share I really try to like stay connected to that intention of like is this you know am I sharing just to share or am I sharing because like my soul is like feeling this so deeply and I you know I I think it'll help people Um, yeah.
0: Yeah it's interesting growing in this space and then having more eyes on you and a platform and I guess certain people who pedestalize you and I know for me, it's like a constant checking of my ego and, and being like, okay, like I'm still me, you know, what are we here to really do and, you know, really share. Um, And, you know, that's why I love your work so much because it just comes across to me as like super authentic and really led from your heart and that really shines through.
1: Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. I really try to stay the same thing. I think it's so it it can be easy to get like Instagram dysmorphia when you have so many people pedestaling you or Um, even in person, like I'll have people come up to me and like scream if they see me or something like that. And I'm just like, my nervous system doesn't know how to handle that uh, quite yet. I'm just like, Oh my goodness, I'm still the same person. Um, But for me, I think keeping like legacy in mind, I think you mentioned legacy just a couple moments ago, it really helps to, to maintain the integrity of like what I'm doing. And then also just Like I I have a successful business and financially it does really, really incredibly, but that wasn't what led me to the work at all. Like I was really willing to live paycheck to paycheck if I had to, just because I loved loved being able to help people so much. Yeah,
0: me too. Me too. Uh, So I know one of the things that you really love to do is help people to awaken their gifts. And that's definitely another question that I get all the time, you know how can I awaken my gifts or my gifts have awakened? How do I harness this, you know, or utilize this in a way that is of service and goodness. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that aspect of your work. And if anyone listening, who's maybe in that process of awakening their gifts, what advice you would give them?
1: yeah i think um more and more this is like a very recent shift in terms of like coming out of the spiritual closet still for me because i started in that very like well science there's there's proof and there's research and like we'll kind of start with that and only in the last like six months eight months have i started to share more of the the spiritual gift aspect of it because i think there's um there's so little room for imagination and for magic in society and so it can feel a little scary sometimes to put it out there because you want to be taken seriously and you don't want your intellect dismissed at least personally Um, and for me um, what led me to kind of like activate my spiritual gifts was um my my spiritual gifts manifested as channeling so my family has this gift that's passed down through the lineage i guess uh where for some reason it's tied to like the dead and kind of being the the communicators the channels between life and death and so i kept having these situations pop up um my my best friend in college's best friend was murdered and i was with her through the process of that and then i think it was the September that COVID began my, one of my friends, uh, committed suicide, he killed himself. And I found a medium at the same time and this book on mediumship. And like the universe just kept giving me these things. And so I started practicing every single day, learning all about how to activate spiritual gifts and um, eventually slowly started like believing <laughs> in my ability. Um, and he came through to me uh, maybe like a few months in after it. And, and the way that channeling works, at least how I've learned it is, um you get like proof that you couldn't know to give to whoever the message is for and then you give them the message and so i had this message and he came through and it's so much energy at once and and he was like telling me all these specific details that i couldn't have known something about a guitar and um the letters like ms and he was like call my dad tell him i love him i'm okay And i was like okay great i haven't talked to this guy's dad in 10 years i'm gonna call his dad his dad's not a spiritual guy and i'm gonna tell him these things and i ended up telling his dad and his dad was like very very touched and and they were details that were very um that i couldn't have known the initials ms were like his girlfriend at the time the guitar was the guitar that had been signed with the letter j it was the guitar that his father had taken on tour to uh, record his first album and then the day i called him it happened to be the day before major his this is name uh, his memorial service and so his dad was like come to the memorial service please and so i went there and he pulled me up in front of all these people and he's like this is bella she's the medium she channeled major and just told this whole story and everyone was just like just staring at me i had this almost like out of body anxiety i was just like okay like this is real now there's there's no avoiding this and um that was kind of when it became activated for me and i think that through that process, um, I learned so much and I don't actually offer channeling sessions publicly because I feel like people can kind of leech onto you or latch onto you. It's so sensitive, like losing yeah. people. So in my personal life, people will find me and I still do sessions and I, I channel my own guides and things like that. But um, what I really love and what I'm moving more into is helping people with the spiritual gift activation. And to answer your question, that was such a long one story. Um, if I could offer anybody a piece of advice, I would say, like, keep trusting it and keep like making note of the things that come down. Like, I think the number one thing that starts to give you the confidence is um, for me, I get like spiritual amnesia in channeling sessions. So like I forget immediately. And so I will record myself speaking out loud what comes through, um, working with dreams like before bed, asking specific questions and asking to be shown answers or um, to get clarity around things has been really powerful for me too because you can start to like trust the universe just based on the fact that you can have this dialogue with, you know, the dream realms and with uh, science coming through so I think just like making note of things is truly the most powerful way to start to validate your intuition and your spiritual gifts. And also, like the fact that they're different for everybody. Like my mom doesn't see things; I see and hear. I hear things more than anything, voices as well, like you said. Um, But my mom, she's always like, "I just don't. I don't see anything. I don't hear anything." And her spiritual gifts manifest more as being like this mother. Um, She'll like be a part of people's stories and kind of mother them to like you know take flight and uh, find their path. So amazing.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point. You know, I think people just sort of think of like that typical medium or psychic who can like see the thing or hear the person's voice and give the message but it's so different for everyone like for me my first spiritual gift that awakened when I was not even that like spiritual outwardly at all I was like so nervous to bring it online in my biz because I was like just a typical like life coach. I was doing a lot of corporate stuff in London at the time. Uh, was sensation in my face. And I was able to tell based on where my face was tingling, what emotion the person in front of me was feeling. And then I told someone and they were like, well, how do you know that like this is anger or this is grief? And I'm like, I don't know <laughs> how I know. I just know Um, and then after I took ayahuasca, I started showing up in people's dreams and going and doing like healing in the dreams. I get a DM every week from someone telling me, and it's so weird because I don't remember. <laughs> I
1: guess that you. Yeah. A lot <laughs> of those so yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's so weird, but I can really understand, you know, if you never hear anyone talk about it or you don't hear conversations like these, how it could be really scary for people and they might just think they're going crazy. Mm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, it's so important to open up the dialogue and I love getting to be a part of that conversation. It's also cool to like hear about your spiritual gifts. I truly believe that we all have spiritual gifts and they can look so different. And so what I really want to do is, you know, beyond just like the Claire's, you know, which is like the, the typical clairs, seeing, hearing, uh, feeling, um, there is so much more that we, can, that we can tune into. And I also really love like, looking to life to influence or to, to guide us, um, looking to our life experience to kind of like show us what those gifts are. Like for me, um, it's, it's always been like very much the spirit realm, That I'm like all up here, upper chakras, super activated. And so, you know, it kind of made sense when things started to reveal themselves in that way. Amazing.
0: Yeah. Curious what, uh, your human design is, if you know it
1: yeah I am um generator. I think it's six two that's the hermit, right? I the hermit.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, amazing. I just felt really curious to ask you because I yeah, you know you get you get different energies from all the different types. so yeah, I hang out with a lot of manifesting generators and generators because I'm a projector, so i need I need the vibes around me. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love projectors. Uh it's it's so interesting the different the different energies. Um I'm such a generator, if you can't tell based on like content and like writing, I'm just if I'm not producing things, I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> but um yeah.
0: Yeah. So I know that you also do like a lot of ancestral healing and our listeners are definitely interested in that. We've had uh Mark Willin on the show before, um, who was incredible, but I feel like you have like a very different sort of style to him. You know, he comes more from that traditional background. And so I would love to ask, you know, the role that ancestral healing has played in your life. And then, um, you know, how do do people start embracing that work? Because it can feel really big and not everyone's in touch with their ancestry or they don't know their ancestry. So where does one begin to start healing and connecting with that?
1: yeah that's a great question um i feel and where i have people start is by identifying what shadows what karmic patterns have played out in their family and there are some that are just like a very um like there is like you know there's a good i think i would say like seven to ten that i like to teach that are quite common so like abuse betrayal um uh dishonesty things like that Um, And those are a few examples of them and once you start to pinpoint them, I like to have people make what I call a karmic map so they can like map and see where there are breaks where people aren't relating to one another um, and. I also get. I have a lot of clients who are either adopted or who don't know their family members, like you said. And um, for them, I actually really recommend constellation work because in constellations, you'll have inform even people who are not spiritual or connected, and there it's very new for them. They'll have information come through, like. My first constellation I didn't know what it was and I had this message come through that my mom had had a, a miscarriage or an abortion before I was born, and I was like no my mom had one after I was born like that's. I don't I don't that doesn't totally make sense to me like why am I thinking that, and then I asked my mom and it had turned out that she had almost died in Mexico having an illegal abortion before I was born, and so. um. It's like the the information that comes through comes through is so powerful and it's not so much about knowing everything like we get so fixated on the mind and like needing to know and like well, I can't remember this this trauma from childhood but all we need to know is the emotion that affects us so if we can feel a heaviness and you're like i just feel like this has to do with physical abuse or something along those lines and i don't know where it came from but i can just feel it and it it comes up in my thoughts it comes up in my body you can work with that and um reenactment work is also so powerful for ancestry so like whether it's you know writing the things that you never got to say to the family members that you've never met or that you have met um, and speaking them out loud like entering ritual with yourself in that way I think those are all really really powerful things that you can do it's like a little bit of everything amazing so in family constellations, there's something called the orders or the hierarchies of love. And it, it basically states that like during, you know, wherever we are born into the lineage, we have a specific role to play based on the order that we're born in. And that's where a lot of karmas get um, passed down is when let's say like mom is coming to the daughter for um, reassurance and taking on the role of the child. That's when we start to like entangle quantum entanglement or karmas get entangled. Um, but with the first child, it's it's um if there was a, an abortion or a miscarriage beforehand it's interesting because we'll take on the role of the firstborn but we're actually not meant to be spiritually and so that can cause us to take on a lot of karmas that aren't ours and a lot of um like heaviness like i i had so much of that before i got into constellations and um my my mentor my constellationist, had me work with the phrase I am the second. Like to really internalize that because I was the one in the family who was always trying to fix everything and just like take on everybody's stuff. And um, part of my karma was learning to to take a step back and not be the not be the first or the oldest. You know.
0: Yeah, that really resonates because I definitely have that like golden child thing. Uh, even though I was like so I was quite naughty as a teenager and you know like partying and addicted but I was I always like kept the lid on it and I was still like achieving and getting good jobs and things like that and so definitely for me like because I'm thinking about becoming a mom in the near future and so I have this like karma I've been working through for like a few years now around like can I hold it all for everyone do I want to hold it all for everyone Um, am I going to recreate this thing that I do? Um, always trying to be, you know, the first, the best, the one who holds it for everyone else. So that really resonated for me.
1: Yeah, I have the same the same thing. And it's interesting that we're both led to, to mentorship work as well, because I feel like for me, the journey of becoming a mentor was so healing because I was already a mentor. I was already the glue for everybody. I was already giving and giving. And so it kind of allowed me to receive in exchange. Um, and start creating boundaries in that way. I also was very, very naughty as a teenager. I grew up in a big city in Philadelphia on the East Coast, divorced parents, didn't speak. I was between both houses. So like drugs, partying, that sort of thing. Um, a lot of just like escapism. And I think part of it was just that this city in particular was super void of spirituality and like being as sensitive as I am. I was just, you know, you want to, you want to address the pain and, and that's how you see other people doing it. And so you're like, okay, I guess that's, that's the solution until you find um, the work that we're in now.
0: Yeah, totally, totally the same for me as well. Like I was kind of like the not wealthier, kid in the wealthy school and everyone like just parties hard like Aussies party hard but it was all like perfect on the outside you know everyone like in each other's business but like perfect on the outside naughty behind the scenes and so it was like the perfect boiling pot of uh, my trauma to eventually explode but it put me on the path that I'm on so always grateful for the journey.
1: Yeah, me too. There's a there's a lot of I feel like there's always like some really deep history behind the people that we see online, and it's so easy to look at us and where we're at and and the business side of things, and to be like, oh, it's it's so perfect. It's like when I tell people that I was I was a cigarette smoker for like seven years. There's so me fun. too. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm so glad that's not the case anymore, and like, thank you hypnotherapy for helping me through that. So.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, people don't believe that when I say that either because I'm like all about breath work now. They're like, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm trying to heal all those years of putting that shit in my lungs, like so much self-soothing, you know? But um, I agree with you. It's like for me, and I wonder if you also have this, like I have a five line in my human design, so I get a lot of projection anyway, but it's very easy for people to look at me on the surface and be like, well, she's just this perfect, like Barbie doll, you know? Um, And it's easy for you to say that. It's easy for you to be successful. Um, And of course, you know, I've got a ton of privilege, but um, the backstory isn't always obvious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting how like being on the receiving end of so much input on social media will really make you not judge. Like I I never, when I see people online, I'm like, I've also I've had the, the pleasure and also the challenge of meeting people from the online space where sometimes they're like super aligned and like you know really there and sometimes it's completely different, and so. I think it can be a window into someone's consciousness, but there can be a lot, a lot more to unravel and I, I love storytelling for that reason, because you know if. If, um, if we weren't here telling our stories like I wouldn't get that dimension and depth to you and um, yeah I think it, it really like adds a level of humanity to to
0: yeah yeah it's always a like tricky one being in this business I think because like I just have so much I want to give and share and teach and for people to know me and it's it's not always easy to do that on online and it's like it's like divorced from reality in a bit you know like you can't touch each other or feel each other's eyes or you know, like just have that connection. It's like a parasocial relationship where a bunch of people think they know you and I and we don't know everyone, even though we want to. So it's like this beautiful blessing. And then like sometimes for me, it also feels a little bit crazy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I I had to kind of make my piece because I'm such a storyteller. And if I meet someone in person and they share something with me, I will tell them like my deepest truths and wounds and maybe a little too much so like I've definitely had that used against me in the past but I just kind of wear my heart on my sleeve but on the in the online realms I've really learned that it's okay to also maintain certain things for yourself um and like for me with intimate client relationships like one-on-one clients or my private mentorship I will share more of my personal stories because it's like a level of I don't know reciprocity, right? Like you kind of—it's okay to feel like you know people have to earn a degree of that—that that insight. I think that like mindset is the most valuable thing that we can access in the people that we look up to, and um, you know we don't like people shouldn't be entitled to just have every piece of you. And that was like a that was a big lesson for me because I think for a while I was like. I just have to give everything and share everything. And I definitely don't feel that way anymore.
0: Yeah, you're a Pisces. (laughs) um, (laughs) That's actually a really good point of conversation, actually vulnerability, because I know you work with business owners as well as, you know, a range of people, same with me. Um, And a lot of my mentees, you know, ask about this, like what's the line with vulnerability, how to know when it's authentic, when to share, when to keep it, and I think it's like a really nuanced thing, but I wonder if you had a perspective on it, like how you tell maybe in your body or your heart when it feels good to be authentic and vulnerable and when it feels uh, maybe like it's coming from a different place or a shadow.
1: Yeah, I've sat with that one quite a bit myself. And I used to share just like in the moment. And sometimes if it like really feels right, then I do. And I I like to connect to my power center. For me, it's probably like heart, throat, or womb. It kind of just depends on the moment and the day. Heart is the most most active one for me. So I'll just tune into the heart and just see if it's really feeling right. But I kind of like to go through my process now and get to the like the point of clarity where I'm like, aha, and this is actually going to like, there's something to support people here before I share. Like I used to, I think there were times where I would like post a video of myself crying. And like, now I'm just like, you know, I want people to know that that vulnerability is there. And maybe I'll take the video and share it later, but I'm going to wait till I'm on the other side of like transmutation before I just fill out into the internet, especially with social issues, like n- people expect you to be a voice for every every issue. And I have such a like activist spirit. Like I care so deeply about, you know, the causes that I care about, but I don't wanna just contribute to like noise in an echo chamber, you know? So I think like giving people, like letting yourself have that permission that you don't need to share everything right away and you can sit with things um is very liberating right because the the content like the mass production on social media will really pressure you to feel like you have to always be putting out
0: (laughs) yeah and you know I think it's like a trauma-informed way of being as well like if you have an audience that you know are you know, traumatized or dealing with a certain issue or a certain anxiety, like adding to that noise might not actually be in service. Like what would be in service is you doing something behind the scenes to embody your activism, you know, um, rather than like you said, just adding to the noise and not actually really creating change in a way that's helpful for you or others. Um, yeah, that that's a great point that you bring up as well, because loads of my Clients ask about this and they say, you know, I feel like I can't launch or sell right now because this is happening and this is happening. And I said, I say to them, you know, like there's something happening around the world every second of every day. And a lot of the things that get ignored or not posted about are the things, are the people who are like the most disadvantaged and oppressed in the world. Um, but it's, we're not a news station. We're here to like give our unique gift or service or voice, however that looks like. So I feel like there's no right or wrong. It's just heart led choice, like you say.
1: Yeah, I, I, um, the more I've like, the, the motto for me is like be the bridge wherever there's the wall and, also like choose your role in revolution choose your role like i choose the role of healer i work best one i studied poli-sci for a little bit there in college dropped it um just got too sensitive i was like i can't do this my heart (laughs) and i'm so glad i didn't pursue that route i'm way too sensitive for politics but um, I just ended up realizing that like, there was a better way to help. And for me, it's really on a more like personal touch basis. And I think that when people start to heal, then they step a little bit out of, more out of the ego and they start to care more about the world and they want to yeah. give And so, um, you know, we all play different roles, like not I posted about this the other day, but it's like we don't all have to go to protests like for me that's exhausting and that's not the best use of my energy and you know we all, we all have different roles to play so figuring out what way you best serve. I know that for me there have been certain things that I haven't spoken on that I believe in um that have brought people who have different beliefs than me into my fields and through the work that we've done together they've transformed their beliefs and become more conscientious and so for me I'm like that's worth it because there was actually yeah there was like some bridging happening and and that's for me that's the goal so
0: (laughs) yeah it's like there's a different like role that everyone plays in a village right and um it's no use trying to play all the roles we're already in a very burnt out template of society um, or trying to escape it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I really resonate with that. Amazing. So um, for our listeners, if anyone is going through their spiritual awakening um, and you're early on in the journey, Bella, what advice or like what kind of like quote or something that they can kind of like take away and remember would you offer to that person
1: yeah I would suggest to begin with gratitude every single day making that a practice uh when I was early in my process of just transforming and stepping into who I am now, the the number one thing that helped me was a gratitude journal, as simple as it sounds. Um, But it completely quieted the toxic, insecure, negative voice in my head that wasn't my voice. It was, you know, a voice of society that just lingered. And um, it helped me to really clear out the noise and get really clear on who I am. And I think gratitude just attracts the best experiences to us. And it's like one of the best tools we can use. So I would say, yeah, try to journal every day about the things you're grateful for by a gratitude journal. And um, it's very life changing.
0: It is. And you know, it's one of those things that's so simple that people almost like, just throw it to the side, because they're like, it can't be that simple, you know. Um, but I, I really think, especially in these times, it's really just like, so simple, but so profound when there's so much that is like quote-unquote wrong with the world or you know so much harm being done so much fear so much uncertainty like if we can just sprinkle some gratitude into our psyche that's always going to help us to feel more whole and more powerful
1: yeah absolutely it, it is it's one of those things that sounds simple so people overlook it it's like people are always surprised when i recommend i'm just like just sit with these questions and like journal and don't look at your phone and like i yeah writing for me has been the most transformative piece of my journey and it's just like how you get to know your own consciousness and your subconscious so journal journaling and gratitude journaling is is truly such a big key code <laughs>
0: amazing uh where should our listeners come and find
1: you you can check me out primarily on instagram at um at sign bella divine bella with one l
0: yeah and none of the hundred other accounts that are impersonating
1: you <laughs> yeah yeah beware of the hundreds of scammer accounts out there as well <laughs>
0: I can't believe how many there are. Like one follows me like all the time. I think it must be when I like
1: like something, you know. And I'm like, oh my god, she
0: must be so tired of
1: this. (laughs) I wonder why. I I think it's probably because they do reels a lot because it's like a lot of the the people who do more like viral content tend to have these impersonators. I think that just because they have a large audience too, they tend to get certain people. It's such a shame because it's like I can't do anything about it. So I'm just Mm. posting like. Like, hey guys, this is my only account Be discerning. But yeah, I I hope Instagram steps in eventually. I'm gonna just let God handle it for now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let that karma play out. And um, yeah, Bella Divine on Instagram. And you can find all of her amazing offerings and her many, many, many reels, which are all amazing over there. So much, Amy. It was so fun talking to you. You too, my love thank you so much for tuning in I hope this episode ignited you expanded you and enriched your heart your mind your life in some way if it did reach out on Instagram my handle is this is Amy Rushwork. Or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.